We're in the Psalms again. I'm there a lot. I know I go back and forth different Psalms. There's so many of them. Uh, but I was thinking on this topic uh, this last few weeks now, entering in the fourth week in the country of Ukraine where uh, they are at war. And there's a lot of posts out there uh, from Christians as well, quoting some of the imprecatory psalms. And these are psalms, the word imprecatory or uh, an imprecation is often how it's used, um, is a, a generic term to, well, if you look at the dictionary, to put a curse on somebody, all right? Or call down judgment on them is really the biblical viewpoint. And there are a number of psalms that deal with this idea of uh, really asking God to judge your enemies, or specifically the enemies of Israel. And we're going to look at that tonight, um, not all of these psalms, but I would like to look at some of them maybe over the next few weeks. And they're not psalms I've gone to regularly, some of them I've been in, but because of the language in them, some of them, and this one's uh, just a, f- a few verses, but you have, uh, sometimes I stray away from those things, because from the New Testament perspective, the Christian perspective, and by the way, Jesus also quotes from some of what we call imprecatory psalms, but he also told us to pray for our enemies. And we know also from the New Testament that, uh, as Paul teaches, that our true enemy, for the enemy of the church, is the, is the enemy of Satan. And we fight not a fleshly battle, but a spiritual battle. But sometimes that spiritual battle does manifest itself in fleshly arenas, doesn't it? Very often. If you think about the the things that happen to us in this realm that may indeed have a connection to a supernatural realm outside of what we're seeing, you know, a lot of those things, we're, we're to continue to pray for those things and to pray um, maybe against certain people or certain things. And uh, I would say this, that nowhere in Scripture do you find imprecatory praying that is rebuked by the Lord. All right, And there are several instances in the Scriptures of that. And this one, Psalm 5, falls in that category of the imprecatory prayers. There's a number of them. There's uh, Psalm 12, 35, 37, 58, 59, 69, 79, 83, uh, what is it, 109, 139, and 140. I know you wrote all those down, didn't you, Chris? If you, yeah, no, uh, we're going to go through those. You know, I'm going to try to go through some of those, and, and not necessarily the whole psalm, but look at some of that language. And some of this arises, as I said earlier, out of... Um, out of just looking at some of the Ukrainian believers and others, and they're posted. And then last week we had that interview with Yvonne Privilov. And uh, if you want, if you weren't here for that, and you want to listen in on that. I have it recorded. He said we could record it, post it publicly. He was fine with that. And I have it. It's available on our website. If you go to our church website, MatawaskaGospelChurch.com, and then look for last week's Sunday evening message. And I think it says interview with Yvonne Privilov. And it's, we interviewed him live right there from Kiev. And uh, he explained what was going on. He gave a great detailed history of the history of what had taken place thus far that led up to some of the, the things that are going on. And then there was something, and he didn't dwell on it a long time, but talking about the Christian reaction to, for instance, the threat that is going on uh, from their neighbor, the country of Russia, 
And I, I thought he had a good balanced approach on that, didn't he? And I've been following his posts, and, and he has been praying uh, and asking others to pray that, you know, the enemy's weapons would fall short and they would not meet their targets and that God would protect people. And, those, and I believe that's all scriptural, by the way. We ought to be praying that way. Jesus put it as simply as pray that we're delivered from evil, right? That's really how we're to pray. Lord, deliver us from evil. And in the consequence of doing that sometimes is to pray against certain evil acts and evil people. And I believe that that's, that's something that people are called to do at times. And I would say that the high road is always to pray for your enemy that they would be saved. All right, We do know that sometimes they aren't and they won't be. You might pray on one hand for their salvation. That would solve a big problem, wouldn't it? When you think of the, those that are perpetrating great evil in the world, and that if they were to get saved and right with God, repent of that evil, wow, what a different world we'd be living in. But we live in a world that is ripe for justice and judgment as well. And it will become more so as those days approach uh, preceding the return of Christ. And we know that the world will be very ripe for judgment. And there are numerous times throughout Scripture where um, people prayed what we call imprecatory prayers, including Jeremiah. And I didn't type in all the verses here tonight, but I, I will read some of them in a little bit. Um, also, I think of the saints in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9, the martyrs of the book of Revelation, they cry out for justice to avenge their blood. And the cry out from that for a vengeance is that their enemies would be put down by God. And that's the important thing is to understand that it is, uh, you know, it's that aspect of God judging. And yeah, he does raise up armies and people and others to do that sometimes. But there's nothing wrong to pray for some of those things. Uh, however, as I said earlier, uh, the mandate of the church specifically is not one of seeking justice or going out and seeking vengeance. That is not the ministry. We're called to a greater ministry, which is to proclaim the reconciliation of God and man through the gospel. And that's what God first wants. The Bible is clear. He wants all men to repent. He wants all men to come to saving faith in the gospel, all people everywhere, including people's enemies. Nevertheless, it's proper to pray, Lord, your will be done, but you take some of these out. And that's kind of where we go tonight. Psalm 5, we're going to read down through these verses um, and, and then comment some more. It says to the chief musician with flutes, a psalm of David. Uh, this is attributed to David, although some have said it may not be David, but I think it is. It matches his other psalms. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. And the word meditation there is groanings, all right? Consider my groanings. Any groanings going on, you know, when you're troubled? Yeah, that's what's happening. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But as for me, 
I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty. This is the imprecatory part. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy, because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. And I tell you, that is some strong language as we read down through that psalm. And as I said, it's, it's not one that I know of that anyway is not in our circles of, of Christians, but that we come to and sing these psalms. You know, they're just not those kind of psalms, right? It's easier to sing the hallelujah psalms or, you know, rejoice in the Lord always, right? And, you know, those kind of psalms. But when you come to these, these were written and they were put to music and they were sung as a pronouncement and as a prayer that God would judge and God would deliver and God would make straight paths and all those things. And you see where David uh, touches on that. And uh, these imprecations, as the psalmist, uh, what what the term is used there in English. But we see here in verses 1 to 3, there's a preparation to meet the Lord. And that's how the psalmist comes. He com- comes with a heart that needs to be prepared to meet the Lord. And it says here, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. As I said, my groanings is the Hebrew word that is used. And there are times when you don't have anything you can do but just groan. Under the stress and the pressures and as a matter of fact, in the New Testament, Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I like that verse, and I've camped on that verse a lot, because there's times I come to a situation and I don't know how to pray for it. When you have something very evil going on in the world, or an evil world leader, or a politician in your own nation, or someone that's directly affecting you, it might not be somebody in the, in the political realm, it might be something else, someone committing great evil, is it wrong to pray against them and ask them to be taken out of this world? Sometimes, again, those groanings, we don't know exactly how to pray, but the Spirit of God intercedes before us. And I like what it says there. And it says, He makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And the groanings is on the, my understanding of that verse is the under, those who intercede when we have groanings that cannot be uttered. We don't know the words for them. He still intercedes for us. And I love that because that's the heart. And there are times we just have to come before the Lord and just say, Lord, I don't know what to do here. And you do. And there have been numerous times in my life where I've, I've had to camp on that and say, God, you just fix it. And you know, even if you pray amiss, he's going to fix it. <laughs> that's what I, I like about that. That's the Jack Karen version of that. I don't know if it's right or not, but that's the Jack Karen version of it. 
And he does. He fixes it for us because he intercedes on our behalf. I'm thankful. And he's not far. For the believer in this age, he's in us, right? We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And, and he is actually resides in us that way. And I'm thankful for it. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry. My King and my God, for to you I will pray. The psalmist directs himself to the only one that can hear in a situation like that. The only one that can understand when we only can cry out. And that's it. I'm amazed at that. And I think all of us, our hearts have been moved over the weeks previous to this to see people um, with their tears streaming down their face as they're leaving their cities and their towns and loss great loss experienced and those kind of things and i don't have an answer for all that i just know that this has been the course of sinful man for years centuries for millennium millennia the lord when he talks about as uh, king of israel here uh, he talks about the lord as his king He's really acknowledging that even earthly thrones are thrones that are overseen by him. Oh. <clears throat> That's all right. Not a problem. It's not bombs going off, so that's good. You know, it's okay. I, I sometimes forget that too. So, And then sometimes people call me right during church. That has happened several times. Uh, my phone will be ringing in church, so... I don't know. Anyways, uh, again, we see this idea that um, David wanted to make sure that he acknowledged the right place of his kingdom. And that his kingdom was one that had been established by God. And his covenant was made between his people and God. And we talked about that covenant this morning with Abram and Abraham, right? Um, In that uh, Genesis chapter 17. And I think for the Jew especially, where the covenant that God had with his people included land, it included territory, it included their legacy of of generations to come out of that people, when they prayed against their enemies, they had to. They had to. And I I think uh, it was uh, Golda Meir uh, of Israel that when... Uh, Israel was looking it was looking pretty bleak in uh, when their enemies gathered around them and and had uh, uh, she had said this that um, I'm trying to remember the quote but talking about when your enemies are your neighbors all right there is no room for compromise with them only the survival of yourself and your nation and you it and and i'm paraphrasing you pray differently you look at the world differently when you're in that kind of situation and the psalmist here uh, most likely david here david understood that when you're surrounded matter of fact the ending verse of this chapter is talks about the lord surrounding us and that's what we need because if you think it's the enemy in front of you well you realize the enemy can be behind you too and around you and everywhere and we need someone not just in our front to guard us but all around us and above us and below us and everything. Exactly. 
Absolutely. That's that's a good point, Chris, because too often we like to go right to the imprecatory verse, right? Take them out, Lord, and my heart's not right, you know? No, his heart begins on display, you know, he's looking at that. And that, that, you're dead on on that. Uh, You cannot get away from that spiritual element and God leading us to do that. And I say that because there's, I think the Lord gives you wisdom in those times. And I mean that. And there are some that have prayed those kind of imprecatory prayers. Lord, deliver us because our very existence is at stake here. And take our enemies away from us. Take that person out. You know, there are many people, I'm sure, during World War II praying that Hitler would be, would be taken out. You know, eventually uh, he was. He's no longer. The wicked are not going to trouble us for all eternity. That's, that's a good thing. They have a lifespan. And I'm thankful for that. And even Satan himself, he will not trouble us for all eternity, will he? But nevertheless, there are those that also chose to minister to their captors or to their invaders or to those around them that had caused them such grievous harm. And uh, I think that that's something that, you know, as you look at that, that's the balance of, of justice and mercy. And it's a good thing because as the... Lamentation says it's by his mercies we're not consumed, right? Because uh, we would be. Yeah. And to understand that, you know, all of us uh, can find ourselves in a situation like that really quickly, you know. And I think what we truly believe comes out. Uh, I think of Gracia Burnham, and Gracia, some of you, I think, went to MBBI the year she spoke at one of the conferences for the ladies' retreat. Uh, the ladies went, and, uh, but I had her in my missions class and that for the morning, and she was just teaching. Gracia was the lady that back in 2001, she and her husband Martin, they were missionaries in the Philippines, and had gone on an anniversary getaway. They, did their, they had not done that in years, and they decided they were going to go to this little coastal resort in the Philippines, where they, you know, outside of where they were ministering, and they got this little seaside hut, and it was just going to be a romantic time away for them to celebrate their wedding anniversary. And unfortunately... Uh, the Abu Sayyaf rebels, who were Islamic fundamentalists, um, who plagued that whole part of the southern Philippines, came with a little speedboat, went into that in the middle of the night, and captured Martin and Gracia Burnham. And they were in captivity for a long time. I, I can't remember the whole, the whole time. It was over a year, I believe it was, the whole time. And, uh, and she struggled with these that had done what they did to them they they took them away from their family they did all that and in the end martin you know was killed in the final gun battle that they had with these between the filipino army and the 
uh, Abu Sayyaf rebels, which were just a bunch of thugs with rifles, you know. And they kept moving these prisoners and moving these prisoners. And over that course of a year, they had seen terrible things. They had seen some of the prisoners beheaded. They had seen some terrible atrocities, Martin and Gratia. And then in the end, as they're being delivered, Martin is delivered through death, and Gratia is delivered in the hands of the the Filipino army that came and and took her uh, back. And she came home without Martin, and she went back to her family. and, And it's quite a tragic story a terrible thing and she resolved during that time and he resolved as well it was him that really helped her focus on things to reach their enemies if they could and they witnessed to the the leaders they uh, didn't get too far but they would talk about what islam you know teaches and what christianity teaches and and those kind of things and she has since coming back and now living in the united states as a widow, she says, I've taken on a little jihad of my own. And uh, jihad means struggle in uh, Arabic. And she says, I've taken on this little jihad, and it's we wage war on our knees. And we pray for those men and boys that were there, that took them captive. They knew their names, a lot of them. Some of them were arrested and put in jails. And in the Philippines, in some of these places, when you go to jail, it's not like here. It's pretty rough. All right, you go to jail and you're not going to get anything but just a little bit of rice and maybe some water for the day unless you have a relative that will come in and bring you some extra food, some extra clothing, all that stuff. And that's, it's a miserable existence. And you know what she's doing? She's putting care packages together for prisoners, some of which were ones that kept her and her husband captive for over a year and were, resulted in her husband's death. And, and I scratch my head and I'm like, how can you do that? Because God can do that in a heart. And there's nothing wrong with praying in precatory prayers, but also saying, all right, I'm going to minister to my enemy. Because that's what God wants us to do. Um, And I don't know what that always looks like, and I think if I ever am faced with it uh, in that kind of a situation, I hope that I can do and be a Christian, first of all, right? Act like a Christian. And God, I I believe fully he would give us wisdom in in that time. And it's praying. And Chris, that's the point, you know? Pray. And make sure your prayers uh, begin with him and end with him. And whatever is in the middle, by the way, he's going to fix it. All right? And uh, in this, this whole psalm is divinely inspired, right? God breathed out his word. Well, there is that idea of that. And then he says, my voice you shall hear in the morning. This is one of those morning songs. And I think it's coupled with um, Psalm 3 it is maybe. And he says, oh, Lord, in the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. I think we do a lot better if we just started in the morning looking up. Unfortunately, we start in the morning looking down and around. <laughs> and the rest of the day goes wor- gets worse. Look up. Verse 4, for you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. God takes no pleasure in evil. None. And he's holy and he's apart from it. And it's a good thing. And he's done something for it. The worst of man was met with the best of God at the cross. That's how God answers evil in our world. And that's something that we we have to. But verses 4 to 6 here deal with ways we, we seek to please the Lord. All right, And he goes on to say this, The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. Strong language. Workers of iniquity you hate. 
Is it possible for God to hate and to love at the same time? I mean, as far as one person, let's say, someone who works iniquity. Because the Bible does say that, right? For God so loved the world. That includes a whole world that hates him, all right? I mean, if you're not with him, you're against him. We're enmity with God in our sin. That's an enemy of God. And I look at it this way. God, who is holy, has a way to hate fully in pure hatred, in holy hatred, as much as he can also love in all love. And he's probably, he's really the only one that could do that. And he can do that hating sin and even hating the worker of iniquity, but yet extending love to them unconditionally at the same time. Yeah. Sin. Mm. Yeah, Norm. Perfect justice. Perfect justice. And that's what perfect justice is. You know, when you think about, that's what he's praying here for that kind of thing. And I, I have prayed before, and I'm, again, maybe I'm wrong, but I have seen great acts of evil perpetrated by individuals that have great power sometimes. And I've said, Lord, you stop them however you have to. And if that means shortening their life, you do it. And I leave it with him. And that's what David does too. He leaves it with the Lord, right? He doesn't say, I'm going to go out and find a way to enact vengeance and justice. And that way you may be used as an instrument of justice if you're in a position of authority that way. Like I think of, uh, you know, a police officer who ends up going to some call where and there's a, someone, a worker of iniquity who's threatening somebody and that police officer may be called to take a life or defend life somehow. And in doing so, they're in a, sort of, in that way, uh, an aspect of justice, um, man's justice, and ultimately God's justice. But uh, I would say most of us, unless you're in a capacity like that, we're not called to go avenge, all right? That's vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And we like to get ahead of that sometimes and don't always do it well. Yeah. 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 Things you speak. Yeah. No. And and that's why I think like here in this psalm, and I like this discussion because you know it's a psalm in the morning, and he looks up. And he sets the tone of his day, all right? And that was in a day two when the enemy maybe surrounded you, but you weren't going to be fighting at night. You're going to be fighting in the day, okay? Um, now we fight 24 hours a day. But anyways, uh, you, you think about that. When your heart is right, hopefully because you've prepared it right, then when those situations arise, you are ready. It's another thing when those situations arise, you say, whoa, wait a minute, stop. I need five minutes to go get my heart right. You see, that's the difference. And that is not the way he wants us to live. He wants us to live ready, right? Ready, watching, and waiting for him. And uh, I think that's part of the, well, Ephesians 6, putting on the whole armor of God, right? And when you think of that armor of God, that is a, a picture of a warrior, 
And a warrior needs to be ready when the battle comes to him. And you need to also be able to take it to the enemy. And I think that's the balance of things. And our enemy, obviously, is a spiritual enemy, um, first and foremost. But it may indeed manifest itself in evil men and women. Verse 6, you shall destroy those who speak falsehood. Uh Uh-oh. Man, if I was in a position where I was paid to lie all the time, I'd be careful, you know. I watch out for that. I just look at some of these people on TV giving, you know, their spiel about what they think is, you know, they, they, you know they're lying to you. To- totally, no. And I'm just waiting. Where's the, where's the lightning, Lord? Where is it? <laughs> He's slow to anger. And I also remember this, that, you know, if God didn't get a hold of my tongue and my thoughts, I'd be right there with him. Lying. And falsehoods are a serious thing. That's why the, one of the Ten Commandments, right? Don't bear false witness. Wow. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty. That's strong words too. You know, God doesn't want to see bloodshed. And I have been praying over this situation between Russia and Ukraine, as nations anyways, and I realize those are made up of people, but saying, God, just stop the bloodshed. I, I'm not going to get into the politics of it. There's a little, it's very complicated there. Very complicated and there's a lot of other things. And, and you may pray for something and it might be worse, you know, I mean, if, if I had my way. And yet I just say, God, you have said you abhor the bloodthirsty. So stop those that are bloodthirsty and bring peace. Yeah. Oh, and there are. <clears throat> yeah. And here's the thing. You you touched on it. Condition of the heart. Okay, so go to your... I'm not telling you to do this, but go to your TV lineup or your Netflix account or whatever and look at the just the dozens and dozens of bloodthirsty movies. We want that as consumers in America. And... We don't like it when we actually see it happening, that it's real, but yet we are entertained by that. Think of that. God abhors that. He abhors it. Um, Paul put it this way, do not even speak of those things which are done in darkness, right? Not even to speak about those things, and yet we spend so much time consuming that kind of entertainment in America. I hope you're not. But I, I find myself like the frog in the boiling pot, you know. Like, I, what I saw 20 years ago on TV that bothered me doesn't bother me as much anymore. And I say, God, help me. And I, I'll tell you, if someone from, could come back from days prior to that, you know, when we sat there and were entertained in our rooms, and listen, if they could come back today from the past and look at what we do today, they would be abhorred also. The world's filled with blood, and it's filled with bloodthirsty people, and we have to be careful for that. And it's, we're ripe for that. I'm, as an, I'm not saying as Madawaska Gospel Church per se, but as a nation, we're no better. But as for me, I will come into the ho- your house in the multitude of your mercy. Well, that's what I need. I need his mercy because I'm no better than those people I'm praying against. I need him. 
In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. I think of that because we, we do a lot of things out of fear. And there's been a lot of fear in the last couple of years that has come to light. Those kind of things. Some, you know, real fears. And I'm not saying that. Legitimate things to respect and be concerned about. But we're driven by our fears sometimes. And if we had more awe and respect and fear of the Lord that way, we wouldn't even be considering the things that are going on around us like that. And, you know, I, I thought of that. Uh, I mentioned maybe Wednesday night my friend Ruslan Tsitsay. He is a Ukrainian. Ruslan uh, worked with Word of Life in Ukraine. He's still working with them. And uh, he went back from where he was living in the U.S. just last week or a week and a half ago, went back to Ukraine. And he and a bunch of these guys have been taking these vans in to some of the very hard-hit cities in Ukraine where, like, entire neighborhood, more than entire neighborhoods, some of them, like, 80% of the housing is gone because it's been bombed. And they're going in bringing supplies, and they're going in doing that and coming out with refugees packed in their vans. And they're driving all over the country. And I, he posts videos every day, and he says... It's amazing what God's doing. Last Sunday, he was in a little church that they stopped at. There were refugees taking shelter there. And five people came to Christ as he preached the gospel. He says the pastor was so encouraged. These were refugees that had taken shelter in a church. They were not Christians, and they left as Christians. And he's going, and he's just documenting what's going on. And he says, it's amazing what the Lord is doing. He's so excited. He gets up this morning, and they're going to Chernihiv. And Chernihiv is that city in northeast Ukraine that was attacked right up at the very beginning, and it's devastated. And he put a video out this, this afternoon, well, it was been morning our time, as he was, he and this, this line of vans was going into Chernihiv. That's the smoke from the city. And the bombs are literally going off. And they're bringing in food and medical supplies and bringing people out. And he posts this video, and it, the couple that's in the road there, there's three people there, there's two people getting married in the middle of this dirt road that leads into this destructive city. And Ruslan's like, you know, he's speaking in Ukraine. I wish I could put it. I can't get Facebook videos to work on the thing. But I'm like, he's so excited. He's like, Ukraine will live because there's people like this that are still getting married, and the smoke's in the background. And they stopped and, and the pastor who was marrying them came over and he, they grabbed each other and they did a big you know, handshake. And they're going right into the thick of it. That's how Christians answer evil. And he has encouraged me so greatly just watching what happens. A couple days ago, he's at a little place and he says, come see this. And he walks in and he shows this little shop. And this guy that two weeks ago was making upholstery for car seats is making now body armor. <laughs> and he has a guy welding uh, steel plates together and he's made this I mean, amazing you know, body armor out of fabric that is you know, like something you'd see on a SWAT team or a you know, military-issued uh, garment. And uh, he's made it all that way. And Ruslan's showing him what this guy is doing in his little upholstery shop. And, you know, there's, there's a balance to things, right? You're taking it to the enemy, but you're also taking it, the gospel to people. 
and your hands are, are the hands of Jesus. And um, I'll tell you, um, if you go to my friends list and you look for Ruslan, R-U-S-L-A-N, and it's, uh, there's two Ruslans that I'm friends with, uh, Tsitse, T-S-I-T-S-E-Y, Tsitse. And, um, and he's got all these videos. You're going to love it. And I'm telling you. Uh, he, by the way, he knows Spanish and English and Ukrainian and Russian. And um, he speaks all those languages fluently, uh, probably more. And he'll do a video in Spanish, and then he'll do a video in Ukrainian, and then he'll do a video in English, and goes back and forth. And, and it's about Christ. And he says over and over again. And by the way, Word of Life Ukraine, uh, they were interviewed the, the director of Word of Life Ukraine uh, and this group that's working there, they were interviewed on Fox News this last week. And, um, and it was a tremendous interview, really, really good. And uh, that's available out there somewhere uh, in that. Anyways, I'm not trying to push that. I'm not getting far in my psalm here, but I tell you, it's like, wow. When we get right with God and we pray right, and he, it doesn't matter the circumstances around us. It does not matter. The world could be coming down, tumbling down around you, like this picture from today, all right? And yet, he's still God. And he still wants us to be Christians. And he still wants to do stuff about his business and do that. He says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. And I have been praying for these guys, saying, Lord, listen, they are divinely protected until you're done with them. And that may be at the, the hands of a bomb that lands somewhere near them or something like that or a roadblock that isn't friendly forces, you know. But that's for him because our days are numbered by him, the Lord. And he can protect his own and he can take down the enemy and he can do whatever he wants because he's God and he'll always do it right. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this psalm. And we know, Lord, that you are a God that, though you are perfectly righteous, perfectly just, you're also one who perfectly loves. And you love the world of lost sinners, one of whom was me, Lord. And yet I found grace. And all of us here, Lord, those that I know have professed Christ, we have found your grace and mercy. And we thank you for that. And oh, how we need it in our day. I pause to pray for Ruslan and the brave heroes who are going in and out of some of the worst places on earth right now. And they're doing it with joy and with a song in their hearts. Oh God, may they, they, people like them multiply. We pray for this young couple who started a, a marriage today. A few miles from where bombs are falling. Oh bless their marriage. Lord keep them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.